He numbers every single star, calls each by name. A God that brought such a universe into being wants his universe to serve as a map to God himself. And thus the Jews, centuries after Abraham, can look at the starry sky and connect creation to Jewish history. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 234, Infinity and the Stars. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. The art historian Albert Boehm, in his analysis of the life and work of Vincent van Gogh, notes that long before van Gogh decided to become an artist, while still studying for a clerical life, he studied with a Sephardic Jew in Amsterdam, a renowned classicist by the name of Maurits Mendes Benjamin da Costa. Van Gogh and da Costa became friends, but the tutoring was ultimately broken off as the main subject they were studying, classics, failed to take. But the relationship inspired a different hobby for Van Gogh. As Boehm writes, quote, While living in Amsterdam in 1877 and preparing for his ministry, he systematically began to collect maps. His teacher, the classical Jewish scholar Mendes da Costa, taught him history and geography by having him copy maps from the historical atlases. And Boehm adds, Van Gogh was terribly excited by this work and drew extracurricular maps as gifts for his friends and family, end quote. Now what, ladies and gentlemen, is so exciting about a map? It is, I think, the fact that even a small mark can be intimation of something extraordinary, of a place about which we can dream, and, if we are fortunate, a place that we can visit. Boehm argues that we should keep the friendship between da Costa and Van Gogh in mind when we read Van Gogh's later letters. Here is what Van Gogh wrote in July of 1888, pondering what occurs after death. Quote, For myself, I declare I don't know anything about it, but the sight of the stars always make me dream in as simple a way as the black spots on the map, representing towns and villages make me dream. Why, I say to myself, should the spots of light in the firmament be less accessible to us than the black spots on the map of France? Just as we take a train to go to Tarasson or Rouen, we take death to go to a star. End quote. Van Gogh, in other words, saw the starlit sky as a map, a hint to an existence beyond. But if the heavens are a map, it is a map of a different sort. The dots do not sit in static black and white. Each twinkles in its own way. Each has its own personality. Each uniquely beckons. Each hints to a mysterious existence that is far beyond us. And it is pondering the wonder of the heavens that allows us to analyze a beautiful psalm that places the stars at its center. As we have studied the psalms, we have seen many that glorify God for his creation of nature, and we have seen many that focus on Jerusalem. But it is unusual and noteworthy when a psalm connects these two themes. That is what Psalm 147 does. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Here, the psalm begins with a beautiful description of Jews being taken out of exile. Bonei Yerushalayim Hashem, God builds up Jerusalem. Nidchei Yisrael Yichanes. Those of Israel that are outcasts, he, God, will bring back in. But what can enhance our faith in God's power, which will in turn make itself manifest in Jewish history? The answer appears to be offered in the very next verse. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. At first glance, this verse might seem a non sequitur. How does God's creation of and assigning purpose to the stars relate to Jewish history, to the gathering in of Jewish exiles, to the building up of Jerusalem? The answer seems to be that the experience of the stars at night 
can serve for us as a source of awe, inspiring us to understand the Almighty's omniscience, as well as a realization that nothing is beyond Him. Hence the next verse. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Thus can the psalmist's experience of a starry sky increase his reverence for God and thereby sustain his and our faith in a God who makes his wonders manifest in creation and in history, and especially in the story of Jerusalem itself. With this in mind, we can further reflect upon the symbolism of the vaults of heaven. Van Gogh wrote of the skies as a map in July of 1888, and then in September 1888, he wrote to his sister, describing how different colors capture for him different stars. Quote, Certain stars are citron yellow, others have a pink glow or a green-blue and forget-me-not brilliance. And without my expatriating on this theme, it will be clear that putting little white dots on a blue-black surface is not enough, end quote. For Van Gogh, each star has its own character, or as the psalmist said, he telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Then, at the end of the month, Van Gogh wrote to his brother about a masterpiece he had created before his more famous Starry Night. And this painting, a link to which we have sent you, is a nighttime scene of the Rhone River in the city of Arles in France, with the lights of the stars above mirrored in the gas lamps over the water below. Listen to what he wrote. Quote, My dear Theo, thank you very much for your letter and the 50 francs note that it contained. It is not good that the pains in the leg have come back. My God, it would be good if it was possible if you could live in the midi too, because I always think that we need each other and the sun and good weather, and the blue air are the strongest remedy. The weather here remains beautiful, and if it is always like this, then it would be better than the paradise of those painters who are in Japan itself. I think about you and Gauguin and about Bernard all the time and everywhere. It is so beautiful, and I would like to see everybody here. Included, a small sketch of a 30-square canvas. In short, the starry sky painted by night, actually under a gas jet. The sky is aquamarine. The water is royal blue. The ground is mauve. The town is blue and purple. The gas is yellow and the reflections are russet gold descending down to green bronze. On the aquamarine field of the sky, the great bear is a sparkling green and pink whose discreet paleness contrasts with the brutal gold of the gas. Two colorful figurines of lovers in the foreground. End quote. Van Gogh then added the following in explanation of his painting. And ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. Quote, it does me good to do difficult things. It does not prevent me from having a terrible need of, shall I say the word, of religion. Then I go outside in the night to paint the stars, and I dream ever of a picture like this with a group of lively figures of our pals. End quote. When I read Van Gogh's words in his letter, the sky is aquamarine, the water is royal blue, I was reminded of how the Talmud describes the purpose of the trelet, the royal blue strings on the tzitzit, the fringes that are meant to connect us to God. As we discussed in our original Bible 365 podcast about that commandment in Numbers. The rabbis reflect the Tchelet Domalayam, Yam Domalarakia, Rakia Domalakisea Kavod. The blue of the strings is similar to that of the sea. The sea you is comparable to that of the heavens, and the heavens are themselves comparable in color to the throne of the glory of God. What is meant, I think, is a reminder that we are supposed to find in our own experiences a connection between heaven and earth. Simon Shama, writing about this Van Gogh painting, describes it this way. Van Gogh, he writes, quote, translates this nocturnal epiphany into an affirmation of what he has known all along, the dissolution of the boundary between the terrestrial and celestial worlds, 
Arl is reduced to a slender strip barely separating the mildly lapping water from the starry sky. A couple, middle-aged, arm-in-arm, gaze raptly up to the heavens and seem to be water-walking, ushered into the heart of the miracle, canoodling on the threshold of infinity. End quote. The phrase threshold of infinity, ladies and gentlemen, is entirely apt. Remember the metaphor of the map. Just as when we look at a map and we see Paris, our mind conjures up images of its streets, of the Eiffel Tower, of bakeries and baguettes. So too, to stare at the sky is to summon to one's mind an image of the vast unlimited expanses of the unknown. It is a cosmic experience. And that is how our psalm utilizes the experience of seeing the stars as a means of finding God as a source of faith. For what leads us to infinity, if not cosmic awe, at God's creation of the stars? And, if Led Zeppelin has not monopolized the phrase, we can say that to stand beneath the stars is emotionally to ascend the stairway to heaven. Religion at its core connotes the urge of finite man to touch infinity, to relate to an infinite being. And our wonder at the stars is a path to connecting to the Almighty's infinity. Thus again, the words of the psalm, He telleth the number of the stars, He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power, His understanding is infinite. Ronald Reagan, famously in his Space Shuttle Challenger speech, spoke of slipping the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. It is in staring at the stars that we come to experience awe. And for the psalm, we are meant to look for the God behind the heavens. It is also possible that our psalm, in linking the stars to the redemption of Israel, is asking us to recall the Almighty's original promise to Abraham when our forefather was told that his children would be like the stars. We are informed in Genesis. The Almighty took Abraham outside. And the Almighty ordered Abraham to gaze at the heavens. God, our psalm tells us, is monem misparla kochavim. He numbers every single star, calls each by name. A God that brought such a universe into being wants his universe to serve as a map to God himself. And thus the Jew, centuries after Abraham, can look at the starry sky and connect creation to Jewish history. Thus our psalm continues by further linking the beauty and wonder of nature in general with the redemption of Jerusalem. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. Van Gogh once reflected as follows, quote, At night when the sounds cease, God's voice is heard under the stars. End quote. And Van Gogh ultimately created a painting, one of the most famous on earth, through which so many millions experienced the starry night. Thousands of years before he did so, there were those that heard God's voice under the starry sky. And our psalm and the tale of Abraham asks of us, when we witness the stars of the heavens, to hear it too. This is Mayor Salavechik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off. <laughs>